Welcome to the Music 3.0 podcast for Plus Music. Today we're sitting down with the former head of Riot Games Music for nearly a decade, Toa Dunn. Toa sits with us and talks about how he was finding ways to integrate unique original music into Riot's various games and properties. We also talk about the highlights of working with such artists as Crystal Method and how AI could interface with the future of game music. To hear more about the future of music and gaming, stay tuned as we dive in deeper here on the Music 3.0 podcast with Toa Dunn. Toa, thanks hey, for hey. joining. Great to see you again. Last time we talked was a few months back, but I first met you. It's on a call with Brandon and you. We were talking about music, games, all that stuff. So that was a great chat. Been great to to get to know you. But for the audience, what have you been doing last couple of years at Riot? What was your role? Yeah, I mean, heading up uh, Riot Games Music pretty much, which is uh, a lot of our focus has been around kind of music and outside of the game. So finding ways to really lean into you know the the power of music, so to speak, and and express it in a way that we were kind of you know always passionate about and and just finding ways that we can you know whether it's for esports the game itself obviously film and tv coming into perspective and so it's really been kind of exploratory over the years but now really kind of having some 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 stuff that had come out that shown a lot of promise as far as you know our thesis around music and technology and storytelling specifically yeah interesting um so how did the how did your role there evolve? Like great question. When, when you started, what were you doing? And then how did and you ended up there? Like how, <laughs> what was that story? Yeah, it's a good head, head scratcher because um I mean for the longest too, I never really knew what to call myself, like as far as like what my role was or, or my title specifically, right? Um, but we really started, I started there, it was just a group of us. There was three of us, basically. And it was, you know, a six-month test. I mean, literally on a six-month contract. And we didn't have any real, like, specific direction, strategy, or what we were trying to achieve. All we knew is we loved music. Uh, we believed players loved music as well. Um, you know, we had some talent. We had a composer who was really talented. And had done something that like had kind of created some buzz within the players as far as like a poem with music to kind of really talk about a character. And so that was really our prompt, so to speak. And um, it really was just like, well, what could music be for this audience? And if, if anything, the one thing we didn't want to chase was let's make video game music. We didn't want to do that. It was yeah. what is good music for the sake of music as people who love music? What could that be for this audience? And that's really the definition of like everything we did from there on. It was just finding ways to like do good music. And when was this? When like what year was this? Early 2013. Okay. Interesting. So League League was pretty big by that moment. Pretty big, right? I I'm not yeah. a historian of like exactly, but so you know, just for the audience who's uh, maybe, I don't know why you would not be aware that Riot made League of Legends and that was a mega, mega game. Um, were you guys thinking about music at all for that game or just in general? You're just and like, real quick, hey, though, I think audience. it's important to mention that you refer to League of Legends as League, just like Guns N' Roses fans would refer to <laughs> exactly. Guns. It's great. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Toa. 
Yes, yes, exactly. League, as if, as in, there's no other thing, <laughs> no other. You know what that yeah. is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we can go a bunch of different ways here, and that's interesting. You guys were just like, "Hey, how does music fit in to mm-hmm. this space and into to the people that were following the company and and in the and the titles that you guys were making meant a lot to them." Um, and then you know the the crossover of of music into different digital experiences is like, you know, it's always been a thing. Um, but tell me about the challenges that you faced there. <laughs> yeah, I will give it to you in a as much of a condensed way as possible. <laughs> um, but yes, like challenges, like full of challenges. I, I would say the the one thing we used to joke about a lot was. Every single project was a brand new, different project. Like we were never doing the same thing twice. And so that just meant we always had new challenges, new obstacles, which, you know, made it fun, made it interesting. But to the extent like, yeah, we were always trying to kind of solve problems. And so the the real journey of it was, you know, when we first started to get some stuff on the whiteboard down of ideas... You know, we we were looking at what was being done across the org. And, you know, we had these new characters that were coming out from League of Legends. And in particular, we had this one, um, his name was Lucian, um, the Purifier. And he's this like, you know, double gun wielding, kind of like Neo, really slick guy. And we were referencing a lot of kind of electronic music at that time. And specifically, it was a, a crystal method. And... In really sitting down and talking about that, we we're just like, well, would Crystal Method work with us? Like, could we reach out to them and maybe see if they would? And um, we ended up getting in touch with them. Super cool guys. Um, it, it's one of those you go in studio with them. We're bringing in our laptops because, you know, we have all these game assets and we want to show them this concept art. And you could just tell they were like kind of of this culture to an extent where if they weren't making music, like they probably would be playing video games to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just natural in the studio. So in talking to them about it and and we created kind of worked with them, we got the song, right? Um, and that was kind of one of our first songs. And in that part, we learned how to partner with an external artist, right? Like, you know, and everything that comes with that. Um, so that was a good learning point. And so really the, like the next few projects was like, well, what about esports? You know, this thing was starting to be big and we were doing these kind of, you know, opening ceremonies a la the Olympic ceremony, opening ceremonies. Walk on music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. And so we had these big traditional orchestras, right? Like 60 piece orchestra playing. And we were just like, could we do something really cool here and kind of mix it up? And so, you know, it started like, well, could we bring in a band and create a bespoke piece of music and things like that, which led eventually to creating a world's anthem, right? The song that galvanizes that crowd of like, hey, it's competition. It's it's the last two teams right, of the whole world that are about to face it off on stage. Like, how can we create music that's going to rally and galvanize them in a way like, emotionally right and you know and we had imagine dragons in 2014 with that song warriors um and you know we started doing music videos for for characters right instead of a uh, hey here's a character and read this bio and and then play yeah. the character when the when she's you know he or she's released in the game it became we have a new character watch this two and a half minute action packed music video right that really helps relate to the character what they do their abilities and stuff like that and so um all of this and like 
working with esports and finding cool ways to like create these opening ceremonies eventually led us to um in 2018 where we released KDA right with the song Pop Stars which is you know our virtual K-pop group and um the funny thing is um Pentakill was technically our first virtual group in 2014 that's the metal one right that's the metal one exactly yeah. um but we had that was it was a passion project purely passion right like we're on the weekends a, a, a group of them just kind of making music and you know and and how it started is a group so of Pent- them hmm? developers who were they well funny thing is like yes so our what our bass player was a sound designer that's um, awesome yeah, the guitar player like playing all those solos and the and the crazy riffs all over it. Like he was also sound designer slash composer. Our drummer was uh, like tech ops, I think. Um, yeah, just talking about like <laughs> it was. And a it just pure worked because there's so many. I, I remember a radio station here in town. All the DJs got together and started a band, but it was a mm-hmm. terrible band. It's just great that within Riot Games, the bass player, guitar player, everybody just seemed to. Okay, I know you guys Tread. all play. Get together and make something, and it's and it's badass. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let me ask you a question. So, this is going to jump forward. We can come back, kind of where to where you're at. Mm-hmm. Why create a record label for Riot? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, our kind of point of view, or at least my point of view of it for the longest, is I don't know if we were really a traditional record label. Like there were functions of what we did which were similar to a record label as far as like marketing and distributing the music, right? And getting it out there. Um, but the goals were quite different on like what, what, what we were doing and why we were doing it. And so that's why I, I tend to hesitate that say like, hey, we were building a record label all this time. Like, I, I'm not sure if it quite fit the traditional record label, but, you know, we did want to do those things. Like when we broke, broke a band or a song, build how do we get it onto spotify and and you know and all the different platforms and how do we get it so it gets further reach do we want it to get some playlists if it gets some buzz and things like that how do we really support the song and the execution so you know a lot of stuff like that but um and you know you could even say there was a part that was a music publishing company as well right because we had songwriters um internal songwriters that were um composers and employees of riot and so to an extent, right was also a music publisher. Wow! Right? Yeah, so genius. I, I got some questions. I got some questions. <laughs> I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna lead you to some of these questions on purpose. So mm-hmm. there's there's some there's some things about music and working with the music industry in its current state that are limitations, especially. Mm-hmm. Like you can break it down to like a real simple question and maybe you just take a stab at that and we'll build up as you go into bigger and bigger game does. But like, what are the biggest challenges for game developers when it comes to music just in general? Yeah, it a lot of it does come down to um, music copyright and how it works, right? Uh, as far as like the traditional ways and how it's kind of the tracking that is needed and just how complex it is, right? So... You know, game development has all its own complexities of like how to how you make a game. It's pretty hard. That's why it takes a good number of people and takes a, a good amount of funding to do, right? But when you add to, hey, we would like to use the song, and it comes with the mass of just like even having to understand, right, the difference between 
the recording and the composition and it, like it just becomes really hard because remember video games and we had this early on right like video games is technically right like new media right and so a lot of the kind of traditional copyright laws just it's really hard to apply it concretely to it right because i remember early on in 2013 and saying hey we're gonna put this song on the internet because we got this really cool music video you know this is really rad thing called youtube and so and you know we have a global audience and so we need this for in perpetuity on the internet and they were like whoa that's a bad word like you don't say in perpetuity like <laughs> how much how many millions are you willing to pay for this and we're like but it's the internet like everything is on the internet technically you know yeah. and so it's it's it can be Head really scratching, difficult right like the industry is is very caught in well, like the physical distribution model, mm -hmm. you know, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. No, exactly. Right. And, and also to kind of speak to both sides, like, so there's, there's one that's like, all right, how do we make sure we create an ecosystem that has sustainability for the creatives, especially, right? Like if you don't have sustainable for creatives, then you don't have creation. And so I, I definitely empathize with that. And, and I'm, I'm really big about that. In fact, we always strive to be very, I guess you can say like partner and artist friendly and how we did deals and stuff like that. Cause we was just very keen um, for that. And so a lot of it just becomes, how do we, how do we unlock the complex, uh, the complexity behind it? Like there are probably ways to do it, but there's just so many hands, voices, opinions, that it's just really, it's really hard because if a game developer just wants to use a song and let's just say they want to put it in their game and this game is, you know, played on Twitch, played on YouTube, played on other ones you probably can't quite pronounce, but in different countries, right? And, and, and the copyright owners are asking for, you know, like, well, how are the royalties coming through all this? How are you tracking that? And if you can't, we're going to... We're going to make claims on your players, <laughs> right? And so your players are going to have all, all of a sudden, they're going to get all these copyright strikes. And now your players are going to be really upset. And it creates a really complex situation for game developers versus, you know, I mean, part of even what I was trying to do is there's a reason why we have like a full internal music production team, you know, is because we were able to retain a lot of ownership, which allows us to do really awesome things that unlocks that pipeline for yes. us. Um, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> that's where I was. That's where I was taking you, which is mm -hmm. like, why make your own music? Why make your own record label? Because you guys are a company that needs freedom to do stuff. And if you touch the music industry, at least at the high levels, it, it really slows down and makes, makes things complicated. You know, I respect the, we're all, we all like have big love for the music that gets made and the industry has been great at making musicians a living and, in certain ways and so there's it's like it's it's tough to see the slowness of of new technology with that industry because it just slows down opportunity yeah. and innovation no but, eventually they, even say that the record because of their hardcore rules it inspires innovation i mean the indie record label exists because the major record yeah. label was it's so much friction and like Fair what you did it by it you know Fair point, except that like, there's gonna always be music that's stuck in one system, that and, and another system that's gonna exist for other, for the uses, which is I guess a uh, could be you know we'll, we might look back and say, you know that was a different these new artists like think about 
every new platform's had their own success case, right? TikTok had Little Nas X early on. I'm sure there was some other ones that that popped up, but he's kind of the the one that got the most notoriety, right? Um, but that's like, isn't that weird that there's only you can like count on your hands like the number of TikTok-based artists where that's such a ma- major platform. Um, yeah, it's an interesting moment. So what? What do you think? I, like, I think on that real quick, if I could, just like with yeah. the whole TikTok, like I think it's you're right. Like it's it's still a little bit of a hurdle transition from kind of the TikTok virality to successful music, successful song, right? Because I think a lot of the virality is around kind of the UGC and how it's used. Um, doesn't always equal one for one of like this is going to be a pop song. This is if if anything, it's kind of an indication that people like this song, this artist potentially and things like that. So it's a good indicator for labels, obviously, to come in and, and kind of see that. But like, you're right. Um, it doesn't equal one for one that like it's automatically going to be because I think when it comes down to it, like, you know, it, it still has to be a, a catchy good song to an extent, right? And sometimes songs that are built for TikTok are built for the virality within TikTok versus to live as a great song outside of it. Yeah, it's interesting how um, how that medium has changed. I mean, we talked, it's a kind of old hat for some of the people that follow music writing and the way people write tunes. But yeah, like, you know, the, the hooks got moved up to the front and kind of reminds you of old school radio days where, you know, they had to hook you right at the beginning to keep you listening. So, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus was like a thing. And, <laughs> and now it's back again. But yeah. I, you can look on sites where you can like top 20 songs on TikTok. And it's like a good portion of those aren't songs. They're like, you know, these things that are part of minute long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just like these yep. things. They're things, which is also interesting. But, and even with the little Nas X track, like there was two versions. There was the TikTok version and then there was the radio version. And the radio version included uh, what, Billy Ray Cyrus, right? So mm-hmm. they like, you know, it's an interesting thing. But, Back to so that's that's like TikTok's like a it's a digital space. It's kind of the beginning. Like you know, so I don't know when we talked. We we gave you the our, our thoughts on kind of like the evolution. But if you just follow it, like the music 1.0 era was when we grew up with stuff that made sound right. Then mm-hmm. we had the 2.0 era, which is the streaming era, and then now we're in the digital space era, which is just going to require music to have a lot of different flexibility and rights and all of that needs to be kind of brought out. This music 3.0 era is where where everything's going. And it's like this really cool moment when it's all happening new and like there still isn't a metaverse yet, Mm -hmm. right? You could argue there are things that are virtual worlds or whatever. Um, But like (laughs) it hasn't hit the the Ready Player One Snow Crash style version of it has yeah. not. Maybe it's just not dystopian enough yet for it to happen. <laughs> but like, uh, so maybe if that's if that's a trade off, I think I'd, I'd choose non dystopian future <laughs> and, and miss out on the metaverse. But but yeah, like the digital space goes in a different way. And so you guys are pu- pushing on. You you kind of ran into all the problems that are like facing mu- this music 3.0 era and what's going to have to happen. It'll get worked out just like it always mm-hmm. does. What are your thoughts on on AI 
generated music. Um, oh, AI generated music specifically. Yeah, just like I that. Mean, I guess. Yeah, I think just to kind of start right. Like, so I think I think AI is going to have an impact across pretty much every domain in, in many different ways, right? And 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 the way I I think of it currently is it's a great like super companion, right? So it's like it's like that bird on your shoulder that can really help you out a lot. Like um, most use cases, like it, AI can do a lot of things, but I think. When it comes to what good looks like, right? Doing something that is good, I, I guess a good way of saying is like, I mean, I'm sure back in the day when like the paintbrush was first introduced, right? Like all the finger painters of the days in the caves were like, this is an atrocity. Like, and you know, the guy's like, well, look at, look at, I can do these strokes that you just couldn't. Everybody's like, no, like that is, what are you talking about? It's, it's about finger painting because that is real painting, that is art. You are using this crazy. And so I think it's a little bit like that with AI right now, but I got to remember is it takes someone to be able to hold that brush and be able to do great paintings with it. And if anything, the people who spent time with that brush were able to paint things they just never could paint before. And it wasn't that there were no human painters anymore. It was just like, no, people understood how to use this technology. And I think what you see over time is um, probably that the paintbrush made it possible for some people who just never could do painting could do painting to an extent they're like oh right and so you get this like flood of content right there's like man everybody everybody's a painter just put a paintbrush in their hand and everybody's a painter and yes to an extent but what you find out over time my belief is that the experts who take time and really understand how to use that tool they really separate themselves right and, and music kind of saw this back in the day when like digital music production really started to become a thing, right? Like everybody could be a producer. Like you had a laptop, you could be a producer, right? You could sample, you could do all this stuff. And right, there's over a hundred and something thousand songs a day that hit Spotify, right? We've seen that flood of content, but there still is like those people that are artists that create great music who are like, who are the experts using those tools. Those are the ones that we know. Those are right. And, and you can tell the difference. So it's like they, there's a bigger gap now between the, Every anybody who just makes a song because they have they can hold that technology versus the expert, I guess. And so the way I think of artists are they're the experts. And so the experts that grab this technology and you know, instead of, you know, and I will use this scenario too, like right, if you say you design characters, right? And and someone would go and like, why spend a week? And I researched this like thematic, like, oh, okay, the old ancient Egyptians, and I do all this research. And what did the pharaohs wear? And and why? And like, you, they do this research because they're experts. And then they bring that in, and then they start designing. Like AI is probably going to just like yeah, bring all a, that info to them. Give me right? a, like, the BC three thousand three hundred thirty-three that yeah, day. Like, they, they don't have to spend a week day. chasing it. It, it, yeah. it. Five minutes, and so that expert becomes better because now instead of spending a week and five days, well, a week researching and five days drawing, they're spending a week and five days drawing because it only took five minutes for them to get the research, right? And so I think those experts actually become better in their craft because they get to focus on what that, whatever it is their craft is, they spend more time doing it. So I like that you frame it as it's just going to be a, a tool, like a tool, a helpful tool yeah, at least in for the now. future rather than a cheat, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, reinforcement learning is a real thing too, right? So mm -hmm. like 
it, the more you tune it and actually get it there, the less they'll need humans to do that final tuning, right? Like, yeah. So your your idea of a tool is 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 interesting, and I think that then you know, to to expand on that one is, you know, like you could use that tool for other types of expression versus just like trying, you know, what is art in, in the early days? Like we chase animal, animal was there. Like these are the animals that we eat or whatever it was versus like, I'm going to make an abstract art about like what it is to be a human being in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to take 10 different directions and, and make cubist start or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think with I think with AI, it's an interesting time. You can see there's a ton of companies that are coming out, all, all different AIs, and everybody's just like, oh, we do AI. Even Spotify did it just recently with their AI DJ, right? Mm -hmm. They just spun up like, you know, a text-based, like, make me a good... It just, it's what they've been good at the whole time, is just suggesting you music, mm -hmm. but then using AI to superpower that, that's a pretty interesting ad i've been played with it but i'm sure it's cool um yeah i think but then I think, there's oh, go ahead no i think it's like yeah there's going to be like an evolution of ai right and i think that like like you said like right now like you know with a short term midterm whatever it is right there it's just right now it's a super companion to an extent and it's going to become a better and better companion it's going to at some point it's going to really almost know what we need potentially before we even ask it to an extent, right? Like it could get to that. Um, and then maybe there's that thing of super intelligence, which is kind of probably the, the, the scary dystopian thing, right? Where it maybe doesn't even need us and it sees us as a virus of the, to the earth or something, who knows? But yeah. um, well, <laughs> even on music though, like, okay, so if you're thinking about music, generative stuff, and I've heard some, I, I try to pay attention to all of them. Mm -hmm. And some are cool. Like, you know, it does electronic music a little bit better because electronic music tends to be pretty, uh, has, I think has more like, uh, more characteristics to, to electronic music are a little bit more similar, right? Easier to quantize based on a grid already. It's like just easier to do. So those things sound pretty good and they'll be great for like the next generation of Muzak, right? Mm-hmm. Like music always sucked anyway. So <laughs> like this is gonna be that, I guess. But I feel like the innovations that are gonna get based off of this next era. I mean, I think generative is gonna be interesting. I think it'll give people the chance to have to skip over what you guys had to deal with when you had you had budget to solve music problems. So you hired people, so you hired lawyers and, and you, you built labels and things like that. Like UGC creators that don't know any about that, that, like they just want something they can use and it won't get it won't get pulled down. So generative is gonna fit there. I think that the big miss for the music industry is not getting their act together so that they can actually monetize that desire, right? Better. Um, but you know, the generative AI stuff, it just seems like an itch that certain people just have like, I just have to see if I can do it, right? Here's the, the dystopian version. What if it sounds so good that you just prefer to listen to that? And like, then they'll then they'll know because I think music is like one of the last that the the sort of uncanny valley version of it, right? The to get the human emotion right from a computer's perspective is going to be an interesting 
leap. Like yeah. you can make sounds, you mm-hmm. can emulate things with a computer. I, I think they're going to get that pretty well. But to actually do something where you're good music, like to your point, like of all the music that gets put out, 100,000 songs on Spotify every day, there's only certain songs that touch you, right? That actually means something when you hear it. It may not be your style of sound or whatever, or may, but you know good music when you've heard it. And that's like a kind of a human perception thing. And I think that everybody's got their own barometer of taste and all that. But ultimately, the the cream rises to the top, usually on a natural level. That's just the way it works. But I think to get, to get AI music to get there, it'll either be a big accident like a total accidental getting there. But if they train an AI to know what heartache is, to know what loss is, to know what, you know, all these human emotions really are, and then convey that. And, and then we're in trouble. Sound waves. Like <laughs> and you got the, the Pied Piper, like kind of doing whatever they want. Cause music is a pretty, it's a pretty glue thing. I remember one of the things I think Brandon said when we first talked was how riot, bear hugged music early on and like you've been describing how you guys did that what what did he mean by that and like what what would the what would the how would you like sum up riot's approach when you were there and and at the helm and building up i mean i i think it just kind of boils down to authenticity i think we were fortunate that like we were able to be our authentic selves because we loved music and i think i actually think that's what everybody connects with right everything to right like our our music to an extent and I'll, I'll kind of toot the guys' horn, right? But like even if you listen to a song like Pop Stars, right? Like, okay, it's a song from a video game company. But a lot of people list actually, you know, listeners, like kind of like I wouldn't say critical listeners, but you know, um people who really listen to music. And it's I I love hearing or watching in these because you can see them start to like they're like, oh, this isn't just like stick a few samples and sounds in and loop it in. They're like there's a there's a lot of um like audio design in there right like this person obviously not only understands music but knows how to design audio a certain way right and i think a lot of video game composers actually have to create this way because that's it's a big part of like hey what's going on in the game it either has to sit here or has to get out of the way at this time and so there's there's some complexity and i actually just call it um creative intent there's a lot of multiple decisions that are made creatively, whether the person realizes it or not, but it has an intent. It's not just thrown in, thrown in, thrown in. Oh, that's cool. There's like a lot of intentful decisions that are made. And I and you know, just to kind of shorten it, is all of us on the music team are super fans of music. We kind of come from music and we were just kind of on this search to express ourselves. Like you could ask like, hey, for the first X amount of years, you know, Pentakill and all that stuff, really cool. And then 88 pop stars, like, where did this come from? Like, that makes no sense. But the story kind of behind that was when I was first pitching this, and I, I took this to, to Seb, the composer who wrote um, Pop Stars. And I was like, hey, I, I want to run this by you. It's a little bit different, but I, I think it could be really fun and exciting. And I, I showed him the kind of the... You know, it was Katie. I think I just called it Pop Stars at the time. And I get about halfway through it, and he was just like, I have to tell you something. I was like, well, What's up? He's like, 
So I was a big follower of K-pop music from like this year for this like window of years. He's like, and then we just went down this rabbit hole of, have you heard this? Have you seen this? What about this? And so that kind of unlocked this, like, it wasn't like, how do we make a song? It was like, we each had a good idea. And, and that's what I tend to look like or look at, excuse me, is where's that kind of expertise and that energy going to come from? Because if you don't have that, then it, it may not be authentic, right? You're going to just like, well, Absolutely. just make a thing. And I think, you know, it's really easy to do that. And we just tend to be authentically embedded in whatever we created. So, I mean, what's really cool. cool, and real quick, Nick, just uh, that I just I had to do a little fact checking, get a little more info <laughs> um, on KDA. 300 million streams of the song Pop Stars of 3 million monthly listeners. Not only that, mm. but they all have the most perfect hair and perfect skin. <laughs> this is like an absolute dream act. <laughs> well, it's kind of here's the other the other thing that that's interesting that you guys are exploring, which is the idea. It's like, you know, certain artists like the gorillas, you kind of knew who were behind it, mm -hmm. right? But when you when you work with with like digital avatar-based um characters, right? A, they're ageless for one. So they're kind of like uh, evergreen IP, if you were to think about it like that. It's a character that could start as a musician, end up in a movie. Like, like it's an interesting thing. Did you guys ever think that far? Like, hey, we're building IP out of these. Is that was that? I'm sure that was probably what you guys talked about. But was that ever part of it, or was it just like let's just explore this and see where it goes? I mean, there's. The, I think overall, League of Legends has kind of looked at itself as from an IP lens to an extent, right? And I think you know, both music and film and TV, right, with Arcane are kind of proof points of that to an yeah. extent of right of like thinking, like you know, the lens was always kind of um, we loved games, right? But video games was not the only thing that we did. We listened to music, we watched film and TV. And so it, it, you know, a lot of it was just trying to understanding your audience. What are the things they love? You know, whether this is at Riot and other places this is kind of what I, I talk about a lot. It's like understand really that audience and the things they love and how you can connect with them. And so, um, and a lot of it can be an IP play, right? If they're in love, right? When we, when we did, KDA pop stars. It was a really interesting situation where we were about to debut a brand new band, but it wasn't like, oh, I, I, I don't know if there would be any fans of KDA Ari. Like, we actually had information based on, like, you know, because Ari existed in the canon league, right? And so, like, they were like, oh, she's a strong character within the IP. So it was a really interesting situation to be like, no, oh, it's not good. This shouldn't land on just deaf ears, right? I think they'll like this reimagination of her, hopefully, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think when it comes down to it, too, um, storytelling and IP are actually really, really valuable. And sometimes people le lean on either or, like, you can do a lot of really cool storytelling, but if you're not doing it in a way that kind of, moves the IP forward, I think it tends to be less compelling. And then some people build IP without storytelling. And I think they leave a lot of value on the on the table because I think that's what connects people. Yeah. 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 The game, the game industry is you know, the people, I mean, you play these games for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the attachment you get from a book versus the movie version. 
Mm. Like, yeah, you, you spend so much more time in a book. Usually, it just takes longer. So naturally, yeah. and then you have you to just, squish it into a two and a half hour experience where it's like, man, I spent days and days reading this book. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. and and you know the nuances and and your own imagination and and all that. So. Did we hear right? You're, so you're on to your next thing. Are you moving on from yeah, the ride? So, um, yeah, I'm no longer. I'm no longer a ride. It was a, it was a great run. Ten years actually. Um, there you go. Nine, nine years, ten months. I guess I should say to be exact. Oh, I should have just stayed uh, two more months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do we get? And what's funny is like, um, I think I think it's it's an interesting time because like I think back in the day. You know, and maybe like more my parents, like it used to be about the gold watch that you'd get being there for yeah. 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like not even a thing anymore. I think it was, you know, like people staying for 20 years and getting a gold watch, like I nobody does that anymore. So I, I actually, you know, being there for the extra two months, you can kind of say, like, well, man, maybe if there was a gold watch, yeah. right? Or, <laughs> <laughs> should get those year every five years, should be like that should be the gold watch season. now, nowadays, yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it is something like five to three years. And change is kind of like the uh, like the cadence right now. Wow, interesting. So, what's next? Can you announce? <laughs> um, nothing to announce at the moment. I guess I should say. Um, but what I can say is, like, I mean, kind of where technology and entertainment really collide, right? Um, especially like music and games and things like that. But just I, I, I consider it just technology and and entertainment because. I think most industries and creative domains have no idea what they look like in the next five to 10 years, right? I think it's an interesting time. And, um, and, and I was kind of observing this too, is like, you know, there's some, you can be afraid of saying like things like, Hey, is there a recession coming? And there's all these layoffs, right? Especially in, in kind of big tech. But I think it's really different right now because again, like I said, most domains don't know what they look like five to 10 years from now. So they're all looking for what's the next product or next platform, right? They're trying to find that. Um, and then you got all this highly skilled talent right now that is leaving or being or departing wherever they've been. They're highly skilled and they're all looking for the next five to 10 years. And so there's this kind of narrative, cool. at least that I believe that like, I think a lot of really, really cool stuff, like whether you believe like the next Google's, whatever, the next things are going to be built by this pool of people that are right now exploring all this new kind of digital renaissance that's going on, whether it's AI, whether it's Web3, whatever it is. There's just like, I don't know. It's it's too hard to kind of just watch it go by. Oh, yeah. No, there's so much out there. And, and if you look back to the, just to the layoffs, like all that to me, like, I, I don't know, I listen to some dorky podcasts about like, like just business and stuff. And I think I just gathered is that like a bunch of the big companies were just soaking up talent so that other people weren't working at other companies. They were just undisciplined. So they just like, yeah, you know, they just grew people. It was just, there was a lot of money and and it was about doing that. And so they had to, they're rethinking it. And that's a good moment where it's actually, to your point, like they're releasing a bunch of folks that are going to go take that energy and actually go innovate, right? Because what does a big company usually do is they hold on to what they have. They very rarely are, are making something new because then they have something to lose. Mm-hmm. If they like disrupt themselves, that's tough. Only a few companies have ever done that, you know? 
Um, yeah, it's a, it's a thing you battle when, um, you know, the big thing is kind of is growth and scaling. I mean, I think a, a lot of tech too is really in, into kind of blitz scaling and just really, what are we trying to accomplish and just scale that, right? Scale that to to get to a certain you know audience size or whatever it is they're trying to scale into. Uh, the con of that is, like you said, is like you could potentially overscale into something, and especially when your your answer to scaling is like, hey, we were over here. Now let's scale into this product space, for example. And so you just end up scaling, scaling, and you end up with these really big inflated companies to an extent. And then if a downturn comes and they need to cut costs, they're just like, whoa, okay, what are the ones not working out or whatever it is? And so it's kind of, yeah, it's hard to, if if your answer to growth is scaling, then as soon as it hits a, a downturn, then like you're in a difficult position. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I mean, I think we're we're in we're in one of those the trough like the what they call that the trough of despair. It's like <laughs> there's like that it's the it's the arc of of investment and so we're in another one of those for web3. We'll see <laughs> what what comes out the other side. Really interested in in all that stuff personally. But yeah. um but yeah, it's in then which metaverse <laughs> like, like to see it. Like, what's when's that idea coming out? Who's going to pull it off? Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a work in progress. I think for quite a bit of time. It's yeah, I think so too. Conceptually, it's super- awesome and exciting, but I'm mm-hmm. I wonder if I'll see it <laughs> in my I, time. <laughs> yep. As we wrap up, um, what are you most excited about right now that you've seen? Like, what do you think out there is just the best thing that you've seen so far? Besides chat GPT, <laughs> I mean, uh, I've seen some pretty like I've seen some things that are pretty amazing. That I mean, I'm probably not in a place to even talk about really when it comes to I, I think so. AI is really, I think is I mean, like we said, it's going to be really powerful. Um, I think a lot of us haven't really seen or even understand the magnitude and the impact and. It, I think there are, there are even small ways that AI can be implemented to make people's lives just easier and quicker. Like I, I'm, I'm now finding my, like it's, I look at through my process of the day and I'm like, how could AI be injected here to make what is now difficult, right? And so whether it's how it manages your schedule and planning or your like things like that. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a, you know, little kid nerd and I, I love these types of things. And so there's no one thing I'm looking at. I'm like, oh, that's it. I just, it's... We are the kid in the candy store. There's just so many things to look at. And if anything, I'm trying to find my focus and say like, all right, this is the out the you know, the alley I'm gonna go in and this is the candy I'm gonna like search for versus looking at all the candy that's everywhere. <laughs> cool, man. Well can't wait to see what you come up with. Yeah, man. It's be great. Well it's good to see you, Tom. Ah, it's great to chat with you guys too. Appreciate your time. Um maybe I'll see you at GDC. Yes, yes, I will be up there. So awesome. Yeah, we'll have to about to definitely meet touch up. Good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Great to uh, great chat with you guys. Great we'll have you back you, for a part two when you land at your new focus alley. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Cheers, my man. Cheers. <laughs>